Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk and I am your host Lila Winston. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to today's Bible study. I pray that you have been well and I pray that the Lord is blessing in your life. As you know, we come together to read in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it um, and also so that we can accomplish the purpose of our lives and find out what that purpose is. And so today we're going to um, begin uh, to really look at some of the gifts of the Spirit. So um, what we're going to do is look at uh, the gifts of the Spirit, why we have these gifts, and also what they are. We're going to have like a brief explanation for them. And hopefully you'll be able to use it. Maybe you'll be able to notice it in your own life. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we may not be aware of what they are, how they operate. So this is going to try and give some context to that. And so go ahead and grab your Bible and we're going to go into the Word of God so that we can look at some uh, verses on that. So I first want to introduce you to some of these scriptures that talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, we have done studies on the gifts of the Spirit and how they relate to your calling and your purpose and all of this, um, but I want us to look at, I would call the back 10 of the gifts. But first, let us get an idea of these gifts. So we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to read verse 27 to 28. So this is our anchor text. It is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27 to 28 now i just want to say one thing before we continue this is not the only uh, scripture or verse that talks about you know gifts of the spirit but this is our anchor text and i'll get started it says now ye are the body of christ and members in particular and God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. That is chapter uh, 1, I'm sorry, that is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 and 28. So we look at this and we went over um, apostles, we went over prophets, we went over uh, teachers, um, and I think we also went over pastors. So we kind of have an understanding, I think also teachers, so we kind of have an idea of some of these gifts that are spiritual gifts. Um, they are enabled by the Spirit. But there, the, there are these other ones, like the gift of miracles, the gift of healing. Um, I also want to point you to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 10. And so if you, you know, want to know a little bit more about the gifts and read this in context, I would encourage you to read chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to read verse 7 to 10 because it gives us just a bit more context here. For whatever reason, I'm not sure what it is, all of the gifts are not ever just sort of listed in one, you know, chapter or verse. So let's go ahead and read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 10. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given the Spirit, um, given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit 
to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So um, we, when we look at these uh, gifts, we see that um, there are your core heavy hitter gifts that we kind of think of as like callings which would be the apostle, which would be the pastor or the evangelist or, you know, uh, the prophet. You know, it's kind of like an office almost. Um, but they're gifts. Let's just be uh, clear about that. They are gifts in the very same way that um, someone might have the gift of speaking in tongues or interpreting tongues. So we are actually going to look at these back 10 verse, uh, these back 10 um spiritual gifts. And they're not back 10 because they're not important or anything like that. Um, they're just, you know, uh, they're not foremost in the fact of their function in terms of like, you know, it is an office. So I think that it's important for us to understand that part, you know, that you are going to have your prophets, your teachers, your evangelists, and these are considered quote unquote, the best gifts and you should covet those gifts or pray for them or something like that. If you want to do that, apparently that's something you can do in scripture. And I want to note you something here in Ephesians chapter four, verse seven and eight. And I know we're reading a lot of scripture, but I want you to have some context on the idea of gifts of the spirit. Remember, these are gifts, not fruit. Gifts, not fruit. Okay. (laughs) Fruit is something you produce Gifts are something that you are given by God, simply by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So let us look at Ephesians chapter four, verse seven and eight. It says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Think about that now. There's a gift of Christ. There's a measure of grace given to us. And it says in uh, verse eight, it says, wherefore he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. That's Ephesians chapter four, verse seven and eight. I think this is really an important concept to grab a hold of if you're going to understand what it means to have a gift of the spirit is to understand what happened with Calvary when Christ went to the cross, right? And it says he ascended up, Christ ascended, and therefore he uh, led captivity captive. What that simply means was he let you go, okay? Captivity is when you're caught. So if he led if he led captivity captive, then that means now you're free. <laughs> captivity is captive. You're free to go. And it also says he gave gifts unto men. And so we know he gave us the gift of eternal life. That's a gift that we could not have purchased ourselves. Um, you know, we know he gave us the gift of being able to be resurrected from the dead. And so I think these are important things. These are, some, I guess you could say, some of the gifts that he's given us. Um, but I think also we need to look at the spiritual gifts as some of those gifts that he gave to men. It doesn't just say he gave one gift. It said he, he gave gifts to us in this particular verse. And so uh, I also want us to realize that, you know, what Christ has done on the cross and the fact that we do now have this indwelling of the Holy Spirit gives us access in a way that we've never had before for to a continual sort of dialogue with the Spirit, a continual sort of administration 
of gifts you know what i mean for instance you know prophets would come and you know they would prophesy the spirit would fall upon them and they would prophesy but now you kind of have the spirit with you all the time and now you have a total gift of prophecy so what does that look like in your life what does that look like we have a couple of bible studies called the calling i think it's like four or five and if you check that out it talks about the top four callings that we looked at which of course was being a pastor an apostle and so forth and so check that out when you get a chance but like i said let's look at that bottom 10. um and so i also want to note that these gifts that are mentioned um, may not be the core gifts, but they also act in a peripheral way, and they also may be your core gift. You may not have any of those teaching, you know, evangelism, whatever. You may not have any of those so-called core gifts, but you might have several of these other gifts, and that is going to be a calling all of itself too. And I think sometimes, because we're so enamored with these core gifts, we forget that there are people who are operating in, you know, believers that are operating in these other kinds of gifts. And I want us to look at that. I want us to look at First um, Corinthians chapter 12 verse 4 and 7 because i want you to understand that there are some nuances when it comes to having a spiritual gift right so we understand that we can have a gift that god gave us a gift and i want us to see that there are nuances but let me just stop for one second because i want to address something here that we always talk about we always say if you're a believer if you grew up in the church you've heard this a thousand times and i'm going to read it to you right now it's romans chapter 11 verse 29 you know it and it says for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance and so I think that a lot of times people apply this in many different ways but I think the most important thing to understand about this is the fact that what God is saying is that he will not turn back repentance mean you turn back from something or you decide not to do it. It means that he always intended for that to be. If he gives you a calling, if he gives you a gift, you got it, baby, <laughs> you know, it's yours. But it, that doesn't mean that you're going to actually use it. That's up to you. You know, if I give you a gift, doesn't mean you're going to use it. If I give you a sweater, you know, at Christmas and you think it's ugly, <laughs> you don't wear my sweater, you know, it's always going to be your gift. You know what I mean? It, I'm not going to take it back from you. You know, maybe I live halfway across the world. I don't know you're not wearing my gift. You know what I mean? I'm not God, obviously, but, you know, just to give this example, I don't know you're not wearing the sweater. I don't know you're not wearing it. So, even though it's your gift, you're not wearing it. So, you know, that's, it's just your gift. And I'm not repented to say, oh, give me that gift back. What, you didn't want it? Give it back to me. <laughs> Some people do that. But now let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 and 7, what it says. It says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. I think this is really powerful because it's really important to understand that your gift may not work the same way someone else's gift works and you guys may have the same gift. Like you may have a gift of healing 
and let's say your brother has a gift of healing, it doesn't mean that it's going to work the same way. So if you look over at your brother, try to, you know, kind of follow what he's doing, you might be kind of thrown off course because God needs you to be attuned to him, not just what other people are doing that are legitimate Christians. You know what I mean? Your brother is a legitimate Christian. You know that, but that doesn't mean your gift works in the same way that his does. So Paul calls these gifts that we have been given, that we learned that Christ gave to us as manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So whatever your gift may be, uh, if it's teaching, if it's preaching, if it's evangelism, whatever it could be, you have to understand that it's not just a you know, cool gift you have. It is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit in your life that has come to rest and live in you and upon you. So he said that these manifestations are for everyone to profit from them, including yourself. So this is really key to remember. Your gift isn't a private superpower um, that you use for your own gain. And that's really important. I know you may not think that's the case um, or maybe it's never crossed your mind, but this really is the truth. Your gift is not really your own in that sense that it's just like, haha, it's mine. And so I'm going to use it to my superpower to do things that just bring, you know, me gain. Your gift is for the edification of the body of Christ. Um, And so this means God will likely call upon you to use your gift for others. This is really important to understand. So if a gift is given to you and it is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, it means that your gift needs to be used actively in the lives of others as well as yourself. So that's important to understand. And since this verse does not, you know, sort of specify too much who and where and how, I think it's important that we're going to have to be really tuned in to being obedient um, and to really sort of hearing the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And so if we look in verse five and six, we see that there are uh, different ways these diverse gifts actually work. Okay, so he says there's going to be diversities of gifts, so different kinds of gifts. Okay, we got that. I got that. There's healing. There's, you know, um, there's there's faith. There's, you know, miracles. I got it. Okay, cool. But he also says that they are going to work differently. And we're going to look at this word used. So um, let's say, for instance, you have a gift of healing. According to this verse, there are different administrations and different operations of even the gift of healing that you may have. And so let's go ahead and define these words that they're using. The first one is administration. So he says there's different administrations of gifts. And what that means is different management. Administrate means to manage or control or direct. It also means to run something or to manage the operation of something. So it means that this gift may run differently than someone else. It may be managed or operate, you know, it may manage or operate things differently. It controls, it directs differently than maybe someone else's gift, like in the way that they use it. Okay. And then the other thing it says it has different functions or different operations. And that literally means functions or processes, ways that it brings about an effect to work or cause something to uh, work. Okay. The act of function. There's also, um, it also means to affect. Okay. It means to affect something, a desired or intended result. 
a change which is a result of an action uh, or other cause. Now, this is really huge because when you think of this, it means that you, the way that you're actually operating, the way that you're actually going to function is going to operate in other people's lives and how you're going to use it may be different from the way mine does, okay? Like, I like to tell people all the time, you know, be like, oh, you know, I, I feel like I was called to preach or I teach or whatever it could be. I think that's absolutely wonderful. But is it possible that your teaching might be situational? Like your gift of teaching might be situational. It may not be you're at a pulpit. It may not be that you're, you know, delivering it. It may be you sitting on a park bench and another believer is inside you and you're talking to them, you're speaking life into them. That could be also a gift of teaching. It could be, you know, you and a group of friends and you saying, hey, you know what I think, you know, I've been reading in the Bible and, you know, however... It may be that kind of thing. It may be a ministry in that sense where you always have these opportunities to sit down and chat with people and teach them from their own life and from your own. So it's important to understand that just because you have the gift of teaching or just because you teach in a different way doesn't mean you're you're not a teacher or you're not a pastor or you're not an evangelist. The way you do it, the way it operates in you might be different from the way that you see it operating in other people. And I think it's important, you know, because we are humans and we like to do everything like everybody else. I don't know what that is, but sometimes we are under the, the impression that we have to do it like we see other people do it and that's not always the case another fine point that i think is important in verse six is that it says god works these gifts within us that's super important i think this is why we're encouraged not to quench the holy spirit because imagine if you had a gift let's say about discerning spirits and god showed you something about your friend's new fiance you might not want to say anything about it so even the word that you know is in you it is being worked by him okay and that is why it's important for us to see what the bible says about how the spirit works it says in philippians chapter 2 and 13 that he works everything according to his good pleasure so if the spirit is impressing something upon you uh, through a gift it's really important that we are obedient to that, okay? The Holy Spirit will relay to you what God wants you to do in that area, even if it's an area of gifting. And so you may even be pressed urgently to do it. You know, a lot of times, you know, the Spirit will press something urgently upon you to do it. You need to do that. And that is your opportunity to actually not quench the Spirit. It's your opportunity to listen and obey. Let's quickly look at Philippians chapter 2.13. It says, For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So how is God working in you? Through the Holy Spirit, my friends, and your Holy Spirit, which... What are these gifts? Aha, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Good job, correct. And so what that means is, is that God is working these gifts in you. And so it's going to achieve his good pleasure if we're listening and if we're obedient. So because you have a will, it will will be up to you to do it. God doesn't drive us. Remember that the way Satan actually does. Okay, you will always have an option to obey God or not. That's just 
how he made it. You know, he's not a taskmaster. So even in this examination of spiritual gifts, we see the concept of obedience coming to the fore. If God presses you to, let's say, hug a stranger, I know that seems odd, but let's say he, he presses you to do that and you choose not to, the question is, does this mean that he's going to strike you or take away your gift? Probably not. <laughs> you know, remember what we learned in Romans? The, the gifts are, are not, he, he, the, the gifts are given without repentance. So he's probably not going to take away your gift. You know, callings are without repentance, just like we had read in the Romans eleven twenty nine. But it will do a couple of things that you really need to be aware of. And I just want you to be aware of this as you think about starting to use your gifts, identifying them and using them. So I want you to know it can do two things if you decide, ah, you know what? I just, I don't feel like that's for me to do. You know, the Holy Spirit is pressing on you to, I don't know, heal someone. I don't know. That would be awkward. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm not even going to lie. Sometimes it's awkward, right? When, you know, you might be pressed to do something. So there's, there's maybe a great impetus not to do it, but it's going to do two things. The first thing is it will train you to heed your own will over the spirit. And that's actually really dangerous because our goal as believers are to become sensitive to the spirit so that we are following it, so that we are walking in the will of God, right? Because the spirit is communicating what God wants, okay? Remember, the spirit is the manifestation, okay? The gifts are the manifestation of the spirit. So how can the spirit manifest if you're like, ah, nope, shut up, nope, we're not going to do that. No, that's crazy. No, I feel awkward there. If you are not allowing it to go forward. So that's the first thing it's going to do. It's going to help you to strengthen your own will. Um, and you won't be trained in listening and hearing the spirit, okay? And that's not something that we actually want, okay? And, you know, we even have Jesus Christ, who was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He actually had to overcome his own will. You can read that in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. So it's not that you're not going to have your own will, or maybe you may not want to do it for one reason or another. It doesn't mean that. It just means that you need to have obedience in this area. So the second thing that it can do is that God won't be able to use you to in any kind of great way. It doesn't mean he's going to throw you to the side and get rid of you because you won't use that gift of healing or you won't use that gift of miracles or whatever it is. It doesn't mean that. I mean, you might use some other gifts, right? You might be okay with teaching. You might be okay with some other thing, but you may not be okay with I don't know, healing, or you might not be okay with maybe the gift of miracles or faith or something like that. And so it just means he won't be able to do something big with you. You know what I mean? A lot of people are like, use me, God, I want to do something big. Well, that starts with heeding the spirit. And a lot of times in order to heed the spirit and manifest the spirit is that you have to start working in those gifts and not sort of squelching them. Remember, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. In Ephesians chapter 11 and 1, we learned that. So if you will not do what he wills, you're no longer heeding counsel of the will of God. And who really wants to be there? I don't think any of us do. Let's read it briefly. It says, in whom we also have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things 
after the counsel of his will. He works all things after the counsel of his will. So if he's telling you to do something, you can know for sure it's after the counsel of his will. It has something to do with his will. You may not see it. I may not see it. We may not understand it. In fact, it may not make sense in our own lives, but it might make sense in that other person's life, okay? Because God is working this, not us. We're not that... Um, we're not infinite like that in terms of our ability to grasp everything that's going on in God's universe. So I don't think you'll fall into a ditch per se if you decide you're not going to listen to the eating of the spirit. I think we've all had times when, you know, we felt kind of pressed to do something. We we're just like, oh my God, that feels so awkward. I can't do that. Or I can't say that. Or I don't want to go there or whatever it could be. We've all had those moments where I think we didn't heed and that is what we want to avoid from now on because we won't be working, walking in purpose. And that's really kind of what we want to do. You will be walking in the good deeds that you want to do. You'll be walking in personal dreams and aspirations, even some very cool partnerships, but not necessarily the purpose or the will of God. And that's not where we want to be. So to become adept at your spiritual gift, you must become good at obeying the voice of God or the prompting of the Holy Spirit in the area of your gift. And so I think there's a great verse. It's really talking about exercising your senses as a believer to know good and evil. Um, well, I think knowing the will of God is knowing good, right? It's knowing what God wants, the purpose, the counsel of his will. So let's look at what Hebrews 5 and 14 says to kind of help us, give us a little encouragement to step out there on the water. It says, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So it's telling us that when you use your senses and you discern um, and, and you exercise them, you can then discern good and evil better. And it's a similar sort of thing when it comes to using your gift. You want to use it, you don't want to quench it, um, because when you start quenching it, then you start following your own will right? So this means that you must exercise your senses. And I don't think he's just speaking of natural senses, but I do think he's speaking of spiritual ones. How can you um, sort of get to be handy with your gifts and know the deeper things about the word and what the word reveals about the spirit? If we don't use them, if we're not studying and trying to show ourselves approved. So this means, and I think you should understand this, and I want to just say it in a way that, you know, doesn't make you feel bad or make me feel bad. But to say, imagine if someone gifted me a helicopter, right? But if I don't learn how to fly it, if I don't know how it functions, if I'm not even attempting to figure it out, this amazing aircraft will actually sit on a helipad somewhere and collect dust. And if I only use it, let's say every week, I go by and I look at my helicopter and I open it up and I sit down and I drink a, a beverage, you know, a soda and maybe I eat some snacks while I'm in there and I fiddle around with some of the gears and then when I am done, I get up and I close and lock up my helicopter and I go home, okay? That means I've only used that helicopter as a lounge, really. That's really what it means. And so, you know, it means I have this huge helicopter that has all these capabilities. I can fly people, 
But because I don't learn about it, I don't learn what it does, I don't learn how to operate it, I don't know anything about it, I can only sit in there and eat snacks. <laughs> and sometimes, for us believers, that's kind of what we're doing. We're sitting there with the Holy Spirit eating snacks, going, isn't this cool? And he's like, I want to change the world, what are you doing? <laughs> and so I just want to say, and I think this is true because I think a lot of people don't really see themselves the way God sees them. Many of you, God has equipped in some really amazing ways. You're kind of like the spiritual gift equivalent of a military grade winter soldier cyborg. And yet, whenever the spirit prompts you to act, you say, I can't, or that's not me, or I'd be too afraid. I want you to remember that Peter didn't know he could walk on water until he did it. So you might need to do some things that you've never done before because you might not, you might be someone that you never knew you were. So I really think it's important if you're a believer, if you want to walk in the full power, power of God, and you really want to walk in your purpose, you're going to have to start embracing some of these gifts. And so the writer goes on to say that there are many members of one body and that we are all one in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. So we see here is a great explanation of the multiplicity of God in creation of mankind. And that is how he is using us to work together to accomplish his will. This is so huge. So I think that when we read these scriptures, he's not just talking about a body. He's talking about how we function in that body. He's saying you have your own place. You have your own specific purpose. Your purpose isn't just something that makes you feel kind of, you know, at awe and googly on the inside. It's a function. You need, you're, you're supposed to be doing something. And the body really is a great example of having many members that work in different ways. And the spirit works the gifts as well. So not all people with the gift of discernment discern in the same way, right? Your right ear and your left ear, they don't hear the same. Yes, they're ears, but one is listening from the left and one is listening from the right. You know, even your eyes, there's so many aspects. Think of your teeth. They have so many functions. Just your teeth alone. The incisor is not the same as your molar. You know, and yet they're all teeth, but they're doing different things. So it's important for us. We can pull these lessons from what the Bible is saying um, in terms of the body and use that as we learn our own gifts. So I think his comparison is really great. And we're going to look at that in Romans chapter 12, 22, so that you have some context for what I'm talking about in terms of the body. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 22 to 25, it says, no, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor and our comely our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness for our comely parts have no need but god has tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked that there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another that's romans chapter 12 verse 22 to 25 i think this is really important because i want you to understand 
what he's literally saying there, right? He's saying in verse 22 and 23 that some of the most important parts of the body are the most unattractive, okay, or the most humble. And I would like to bring you to exhibit A, which is reproductive organs. Not the best looking, but the most, some of the most important parts of our body and seemingly feeble as the writer tells us. So he's saying that the most important gifts are not well regarded among men, but have more power than the most famous gifts. So I don't want you to get overwhelmed by the glitz and glamor of the famous gifts and forget about the true power that some of these other gifts actually have. And I think this is really extremely true because you know, perhaps the most popular gifts, you know, in the church right now, um, in terms of the gifts of the spirit is speaking in tongues. And I think the least popular is probably the apostles. So it really does demonstrate something key about how God regards greatness versus how we regard it. People don't even want to acknowledge that the apostles still exist, right? And so yet they're seeing that, you know, oh, this, you know, speaking in tongues is just so great. Even when people are literally just uttering nonsense. And sometimes when there's absolutely no interpretation, right? Like, you know, in fact, in verse 23, and I just want to point this out, he says that the ones we have bestowed the least honor on are the most honorable. Remember that, okay? Just in case you think whatever gift it is that you have is unimportant. Think about that and let it marinate. Everyone is quick to prove they can speak in tongues, but very few people interpret like what is being said. You know, the interpretation is actually the only way that the gift actually has this impact beyond the believer and as a sign to unbelievers. So I think we have to really think about what we're doing and what it means to be, you know, sort of living or evidencing the spirit or having these manifestations, which are gifts of the spirit. So we have to establish a couple of things, okay? The most important gifts are generally not well regarded. That's the first thing you need to understand, you know, so you don't feel offended or anything about whatever gift it is that you have. If people don't regard it well, it doesn't matter. What matters is what God says about it. The second thing that we've learned so far is that there are diverse gifts and we see that, you know, there's gifts of healing, there's gifts of, you know, um, teaching, there's gifts of miracles, right? And then of course, there are different administrations. So different ways that it is administered, okay? And then they operate differently in different people. So what one person's healing gift may accomplish might be different from what someone else's healing gift may accomplish. And then we also learned that gifts are to profit all men. So your gift isn't just for you, it is to help other people as well. And then of course, Number six, God works the gifts in us and not ourselves. This is really key because a lot of times we may think it's like, you know, having a magical gift or some sort of magical magic where we can just, you know, sprinkle some dust and it happens. We have to understand that it is the spirit of God that is working that gift in us. So it's not from our will, but it is from his will. That's why when we feel a prompting from the Holy Spirit to act in that gift, we probably should follow that prompting because it will probably be, um, because it will be successful. And then number seven, God won't take a gift from you. He won't change his mind. That's really key. So if anybody tells you, oh, you didn't use your healing gifts, you don't have it anymore. No, that is not true. 
Maybe you don't exercise it. Maybe you aren't building your faith to be able to heal. Maybe you don't do enough fasting and praying. I'm not sure. But God hasn't taken it away from you, okay? As long as you have the Holy Spirit, you have that gift, okay? And you can use it if you choose to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so I hope that this Bible study blessed you. I hope that you found some use for it. I hope you'll read it, you'll listen to it again, um, and just kind of figure out, you know, your understanding of gifts and callings and check out all of these scriptures on uh, gifts. I think it will bless you and it will help you. And now um, in this series that we're going to do, we're going to cover each gift. And so I'm going to, I was going to cover them all in one, you know, one or two, um, but each gift is going to have its own Bible study, even if it's really short, but you will be able to look at each, listen to each gift and decide whether that's something that you may have, you may want to pray over it. So again, I want to thank you so much for tuning into today's Bible study. If you feel blessed or inclined, I hope that you will bless me with a gift you can support at paypal.me forward slash L-E-L-A-W-I-N-S-T-O-N. And you can also um, leave a message here at anchor.fm forward slash Leela hyphen Winston. If you go there, you can leave me a message. You can ask for prayer. Don't forget to check out lovewalk.substack.com where there are Bible studies that are written Bible studies. um, And also there are biblical resources like meditation guides and healing graphics. So thank you so much. I pray that God continually blesses you. Bye.